everybody. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Liz. And I'm Taylor. And now we're talking, Darian. Hello and welcome. Today is May 19th, and today we are taking this show on the road. We are going to the Board of Education building to meet with Dr. Alan Adley, the superintendent of Darian's Public Schools. Yeah, I uh, I feel very honored and privileged to be the one to go in and talk to the man who's gotten all this attention the last 12 months during COVID while our schools are in or out. So it'll be good. Let's hope our mics work while we're gone. I know I'm counting on you in this, Taylor. You're our, you're our tech guru here. <laughs> That's scary. I know. Here we go. Here we go. Dr. Adley, thank you so much for having us today. I'm delighted to be here and welcome to the neighborhood. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> L- Lucky and blue, we welcome you. Yeah, you got your puppets over there in the Giving Tree book. Wait, by the way, so a lot of people might not know who Lucky and Blue are, so and what the neighborhood is. Well, uh, during COVID times and during the summer, I had a wee opportunity to talk to our youngest kids. It probably was as much for me as it was for them. And you use puppets to and do this. And we use puppets and uh, right, uh, just sort of modeling after Dr. Um, Mr. Rogers' thank neighborhood. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. And uh, so we, we had an idea one day, which is simply a reflection of what this district does. I, I say I have an idea and can someone get me something the next day that's on my desk. Love that. Uh, so we have two wee puppets. One's Lucky, which is uh, from Ireland, and the other one is Blue, which is our Blue Wave. And... Oh, we so use, we cool. use those two. So whose do, idea were those two characters? Well, I had the idea of the characters, but the people who were actually who made them were the, the PTO, CDSP, and they had them here literally over the weekend on, on Monday morning on my desk ready to go. Good job, ladies. Adorable. So it was a nice wee opportunity to read to the kids and keep socially and emotionally connected to well, them. And for people to know, you know, because they can't see, these are little hand puppets, not some large, creepy mime puppet that... You're putting, you know, it's no, a full human not to scare, scare anyone. <laughs> no, but this is exactly why we're doing this, really. I mean, you started, obviously, in a really difficult time. Like, you came in, I guess everything was okay for a little while, and we kind of got to know you, but then, bam, right? We had a pandemic. And I feel like this is an opportunity to sort of hit the restart button and introduce yourself to the community again, right? Like, let's let's hear about well, your I look, background. I, I certainly look forward to sharing some, some personal stories along the way, so... Well, Kick us off. Tell us about you know where you came from, your background. I know it's yeah. What's that? What's that accent? Uh, so I'm from Ireland, and I grew up in Northern Ireland. I grew up uh, in the city of Belfast, uh, the capital, and uh, I grew up during a time of uh, sort of social unrest and the time that they typically call and refer to, I say affectionately, the Troubles. Yeah, that was during the late '60s and '70s. Were you part of that movement? <laughs> I wouldn't call it a movement, um, but you couldn't help be part of it in one way or the other. Mm. It, um, it really was a, the context and the environment of, li- of living in, in uh, Belfast at that particular time. Uh, my family moved out, and we moved out to a, a wee place called Carrick Fergus. And people can't see it here, but there's a picture of the castle right at Carrick Fergus uh, on my wall there. Oh, wow. And uh, that has been my home uh, where I grew up after, at the end, moving out of uh, the city of Belfast. Wait, th- is that you didn't live in that castle though? No, but we uh, played there many a day. Really? Uh, we faced from that key many a day. Pam and I had many a date inside the castle. Wow! I gotta get a picture not, of this. No, I won't be sure in that part, media. but that's. Uh, Maybe how? Yeah. What, what, what happened inside the castle, <laughs> Doctor? At least there's lots of stories about inside that castle. <laughs> uh, it's actually a focal point of the town, as you would imagine. The tourist. Wait. So section. you actually met Pam back in Belfast? Uh, no, I, I met Pam and uh, Carrick Fergus. Uh, we went to church together, and uh, we also went to the same high school. 
Oh, so, adorable. So uh, we've been together a long time. How Just long? How, how many years? Yeah, how many, what's your anniversary? 31. Good job. Yeah, not too bad. We're doing well. We're doing well. We'll have to do a second she's, podcast she, on she, marriage she, tips. She, she's my friend and colleague and partner along the way. That's just for sure. Mm. Actually, she's the reason we we're able to get here in many ways. Uh, she's a nurse. Still is a nurse. Yeah, so I want to hear about that. I also want to hear about your soccer background. So you choose. Where do we Where do we start? Uh, well, I think I can combine both stories, basically. <laughs> uh, when I was a teenager and playing soccer, and uh, used to come over to the United States and did a lot of, lot of uh, uh, soccer coaching clinics. There would be at Penn State or the University of Connecticut. Uh, so that was in between when I was playing and in the summer, I would come over here and uh, do, do a lot of that coaching. Uh, I also played in different competitions over here, and I sort of got the bug to someday I'd love to come here. And the reason I wanted to come here was really um, to, to give a future for our kids that I didn't have at that particular point, an opportunity. The American dream is alive and well for anyone. Don't let, that, don't let anybody tell you differently. Amen. Um, I love hearing and, that. And the future is here, and uh, everything is here if you want to work for it. Um, it, it, it still is American dream, just always has been. Uh, so Pam and I... Um, what, um, what did that mean? What did the American dream mean for you guys, two young, what, 20-year-olds, teenagers? Uh, people don't realize how much um, how much appreciation people have for the freedoms here, mm. uh, for the opportunities that are here, yep. uh, for different experiences uh, that you can get here. Uh, it, it really has everything for any for anyone, um, if, if they're willing to... Do what they need to do, and work, um, for it. And work for it in many ways. Uh, so that was a, a nice opportunity for us, and um, I had the bug to come over. What did your parents want from you? Like, what, what kind of jobs did they have? And oh, my my parents were just working people, like, like, like blue collar. Yeah, my fa- my father was a tin banger. Uh, tin banger is a uh, a sheet and metal worker, and mom primarily my mom stayed at home and, and did just wee jobs around the place, cleaning cleaning jobs and stuff. So. Um, yeah, it, it, it was it, for me. It was a tough upbringing, and uh, this was an opportunity to spread our wings a little bit, and then just seek a good future for our kids and provide them an opportunity that we didn't have at that particular point. So, uh, as as we explored those opportunities, the nursing profession we're looking for nurses. They could go anywhere. You could go to Texas, California. Yeah, true. A- anywhere. We we landed in Connecticut because. It was the closest to home. It was between two major airports, and it's the closest climate we could get to back home. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so uh, that's what we did. Uh, we went to Pam went to a nursing recruitment fair. There were many of them, and um, she could have taken her pick of where she wanted to go. But we ended up in Waterbury, and Waterbury Hospital brought us over. Wow! And, and you were an educator back in Ireland, right? I was an educator back in Ireland, and um, uh, I played part-time professional soccer and. Uh, I was a mathematics teacher simultaneously because you could do both, which is a, was, a, was just a perfect scenario for me uh, to be able to do the two things that passionately I like to do. I think that's so cool, by the way. I, I, to have had a math teacher, I had this nerdy math teacher, Mr. Chang, who I loved. <laughs> but he had glasses. He was old. He just I couldn't relate to him. If I had a young professor or young teacher that played soccer, how cool is that? I mean, did your kids love this? Uh, oh, the, the, the students in school? Yeah. Oh, well, they always... Yeah, because growing up, the kids themselves, you either follow soccer or you follow rugby, uh, primarily. Yeah. Um, a wee bit of Gaelic football or otherwise, but you could, you could certainly follow those major sports there. So everyone is in it, is into it there with a culture and a passion. Yeah, but you were good at it. I mean, everyone plays it, but you're good, it sounds like. What was the name of your team? Well, well you may think I'm good, but somebody else may not, may not <laughs> think I'm very good. <laughs> uh, I played for, uh, uh, Carrick, uh, Carrick Rangers, that, that, what is, that, that, that town of Carrick Fergus. 
Uh, I played for Ards Larn, so a few other teams, professional teams in the Irish League. Love to get some pictures of you in your uniform to put up on the. We, have, you have. we have a few pictures. What position some, were you? Uh, I played uh, center fullback, left fullback, and middle of midfield. Ah, all right. You got some legs. We're going to do some. That's sp- the man that runs let's the make most. Him, yeah, let's make him do some sprints after yeah. this. Let's get so, him outside. so Pammy, uh, uh, cut a long story short, 1988. Uh, I did four years of teaching there, and uh, we came over in uh, 1988. I really didn't have. A, I had an accompanying visa at the time. Uh, so I came over and I had to go through the whole petition. Um, I worked, I was able to work in the private school, uh, four years at, uh, Rumsey Hall School and a year at the Gunnery School, mm. which was nice because I coached their team too and so on and so forth. And, uh, where are those schools? They are in, uh, Washington, Connecticut, okay. which is a beautiful, if you've ever been over there, that's a beautiful wee part of the, the state. Um, uh, Rumsey was a, a, a K to nine school and then, uh, the Gunnery School was nine through 12. Hmm. And then, so I, I just went to night school and got my credentials, my master's degree. Did you I, have kids at this time? Um, I did not. Ha- uh, yes, I did. Actually, yes, I did. I had, I had Christopher, and later on, I had Scott. Yeah. Uh, so you had kids. You were teaching full time, then going to school, night school, and Pam was working full time too. And Pam and was working full time too. Uh, honestly, she she worked night shifts and uh, essentially stayed up many of the days. To be honest with you, wow. um, and that was a that was also a bit of a sacrifice along the way. Um, but the, but that was an also a, a good experience too, the, the private school, because it gave you a sense of just, just working in a private school. Uh, but it wasn't really America to me. Mm-hmm. I, I, um, I didn't come to be just, uh, sort of in a community, uh, that tight for that long. At least that's the way I felt at the time. What did you mean by that? It didn't seem very American to have to just stay, to just stay at a private school without experiencing well, the public sector. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Well, I didn't know whether, like, am I really experiencing the American, dream by living just in this one community that's all i just sort of wanted to see i just wanted to experience the, the public school setting yeah a little bit and uh, so that, that's we ended up getting the credentials and um, moving through the the uh, umogo high school as a math teacher and then watertown high school as the assistant principal and then uh, i was at uh, 21 years in granby that's right i was three as assistant seven as the, the principal and then 11 years as the uh, uh, superintendent and in 2019, named Superintendent of the Year. Yeah, it is. Thank you. Yes, Thank you. yes. So, what do you like most about being a superintendent? Oh, I love my job. I just, I, I love being around kids. I love being around the adults. I like to support adult learning. The craziness of a job you complain about, but, but, but secretly there's a wee bit of like, one minute I can be doing this with you, and the next minute I'm uh, standing at a, a game. Or being in the classroom, supporting a teacher and supporting kids. Uh, kids make me day every day. No, no matter, no matter what the. How much percentage of your time do you go and do things like that and go visit a sports field or go to a classroom? Like, do you pop into classrooms? Do you pop in teachers? I, I pop into classrooms. Um, I try to visit the schools and classrooms and, uh, athletic events, uh, academic events, uh, as much as my time will allow. And we'll continue to do that. Um, this year has been particular, particularly challenged. Just the COVID year and the nature of that has just been challenging. Uh, but yeah, the, the, it's interesting. Like you go into, from the high school when you go in to uh, you go into the library. Every time I go into that library, I have a student or one or two students will come up and either physically or metaphorically, given the COVID situation, shake your hand or say it's good to see you, which is a tremendous testament to the type of kids we have. And then you go down to kindergarten, and the kid thinks, "Hey, the president's here." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. Salute. But, but, but they, uh, but, uh, they, they know who you are, which is, 
which is which is fun too. Um, Especially after your videos. And after, well, the videos probably did it a wee bit too, but uh, I, the, the kids just make my day. Yeah, I think uh, that'd be pretty special to be out on. Like uh, for me, I always relate to the athletic field to be out in the field and see the superintendent come watch my game. I, mean, I remember that from high school when the head of the school would come over and watch some of our games. We would feel so important and so seen. So I think that's very cool that you make time to do that because I assume your schedule is completely overwhelming. Uh, well, the schedule's busy, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but you slip in things there where, where, where the things that are important. You can make, your, you know, to some degree, I think you have to make your own schedule. But along the lines of, you know, unpredictability in this job, like, there's no question. I mean, you were hit with the biggest, most unpredictable thing that could have ever hit a brand new superintendent being COVID. So talk to us about that. What was it like? What was the most challenging part of it? What are your thoughts as we hopefully are walking away from it? Well, the uh, it was certainly an, a, a, an uncertain, an unprecedented uh, health crisis. That's for sure. That that let's be realistic. None of us have a, have lived through it before, so no one had the answers as we went along. I will say again, the foresight of boards of education, of superintendents who have come before me, things like I'll just mention like things like one to one computing. At the time when you're you're sort of like arguing for those things for the want of a better term uh being visionary about those things at the time isn't always perhaps seen that way but clearly that was the case here and those things were in place because otherwise it would have been in this one area of technology would have been extremely extremely difficult if he didn't have the ability sure. to do that so one true. so uh so again with the good work of people who have come before and boards and superintendents uh those things uh were in place but just adapting to the things that we have yeah, it's funny. I think life works out for a reason, um, and I feel as if I'm here for a reason. To be honest with you, yeah, uh, which is, which is kind of a nice feeling for me. But uh, the staff have done a tremendous job just rallying together, doing what they have to. They're in the cl- they're the ones in the classroom. They're the ones who have to deal with this, um, the difficulties of it, and so on and so forth. And uh, as we've gone along, we've learned things along the way. We've done some things well. I think I'm most proud of the amount of the quality of education that we've provided the kids since. We've been in school, and we really, for the most part, haven't been outside of, out of school. And I'm particularly proud of that. And I'm particularly. What do you mean outside of school? You mean like not well, the kids not have been learning? in school, essentially, or the kids physically have, speaking. The kids have, for the most part, been in school. It's not as if they've been out for long periods of time. Um, there have been other districts where kids still aren't in, right? Or, or it's taken them time to really so slowly make that transition. So we've learned things along the way. Um, I think things like. Which I didn't expect. Uh, student voice has been a big thing. More so this year, uh, perhaps this year than in other years, I think. Particularly as you look at alumni, because alumni have come back and shared some things that they would like to see done in the school systems and so on and so forth. I think uh, parent participation. Um, I don't think there's any problem with parent participation in Darian, <laughs> but at the same time. He's t- looking at me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's true. No, it is true. I'm looking at her. <laughs> we can address that elephant in the room. Uh, no, no, there's no elephant. That, uh, I do think, though, that I would say not just for Darian, I think even with other schools around, around the, the state, parent voice during this process has been influential. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to pretend otherwise. It, it has been. Um, and perhaps it should be. It's an important and, and, voice. And continue to be in, in that capacity. So uh, those those are two things that uh, just along the way, I think, had a higher profile. Now, maybe it, maybe maybe I only have my perspective and it would, don't worry, it was, it was always like that. Um, but what I think they've been, they have been influential in decision-making along the way. And 
and having a voice along the way? Well, for those that don't know, I mean, I was the, very active this past year and, and critical of, you know, decisions that have been made that kept our kids out of the building that might have kept them hybrid or fully remote and the quality of e-learning. And it wasn't personal. Like, I'm really glad that we're here today talking about this. Um, I don't take it personal. <laughs> I, I honestly don't because we, we all have our, our different uh, positions and, role, exactly. and roles and functions and well, and I see you as this, you know, you are the CEO of this system, right? And we've got teachers who are very organized and had a strong opinion. And then there's parents and children. And I felt like our voice needed to be heard. And I didn't feel like it was being heard. So I helped to rally that voice. <laughs> but I mean, I think that by working together and, and everyone respecting each other in that process, our district really came to a great outcome. And I think we were a leader. I mean, I know now, I mean, I've been talking with Stanford and they've looked to us to help pull their, their district back, you know, online. And, you know, I'm so grateful that we all worked together as well as we did. Everybody in this, this town rallied to get the right outcome for our kids. And thank you. Oh, I mean, the, the, the community rallied together, the public officials r- r- rallied together. That doesn't happen without everybody relatively being on the, on the same page eventually. And, uh, what was it like hearing um, from Taylor and like and these parents in the side saying the whole time saying, "Get him back in school, get him back in school." Like, what was your reaction to that? Is that Taylor again? That's Taylor. <laughs> that was my reaction. Is that Taylor That's again? Taylor. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no. Listen, um, look, I, I don't know if I've ever met uh, in all my interviews with people, whether it's Darian and other other places, a parent who really. It's just trying to express what they want for their children, right? And just uh, they have the objective. Of, so we are, we have the same objective. Just sometimes it it, it, it plays out a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Most people just want what's best for the kids. Now you don't have to have to, have to agree to that, or but but when I'm talking about half of my own kids, I be, I would be uh, assertive. I would be passionate about it, uh, and sometimes. And sometimes, maybe not you tell her, but and sometimes just they just struggle how to present that, right? But but everybody around the table has the same purpose. We want what's best for our kids, and that's always been the mantra here. Uh, certainly, even before I've been here, making making decisions on behalf of the kids. What did the um, uh, teachers' union? What, what was their play in, in this whole equation? Well, listen, I, I, across the community, I'm hearing different perspectives, right? Um, the the our teacher union, I thought I've done a great job. I, I understand at different times when they've taken some different positions. And again, I respect that. Uh, they have the voice to do that. But they were, they were part of the decision making in terms of, uh, as we put the reentry plan together, which was a pretty comprehensive experience this time last year and uh, into the summer last year. So they had a voice there and putting that together. As things went along, um, you know, people were just like, I don't know, honestly, people are just scared mm-hmm. in some cases. Of course. And uh, those types of things come out, and so they manifested themselves in maybe we're going back too early, uh, maybe we shouldn't be, maybe we should be going out, maybe we should be doing something else. Uh, so I think they were, they were understandable from that perspective. Did you think they had um, too much influence over decisions, too much voice compared to the parents' voice? Did you think it was pretty even? You were hearing no. both sides evenly. I think I, I think they had... Look, there's this, I don't find this people shy around here, right? yeah. <laughs> um, whether you're a parent or whether you um, are, are a member of the teaching uh, staff or the teaching union. Right? Um, they, they have a voice and they know how the, the, the voice is to be had. But as long as you're consistent with people and 
truthful with people and it's based on trust. I think uh, people try to will, will navigate through those things. I, I understand people being concerned. Um, they had grandparents and everything else like everybody else had. And uh, the fear is real. There's no right? question. I never doubted that. Yeah. I mean, it's probably easy now sitting here May 19th and going, oh, well, things are things are easing off a little bit. It's going to be okay. And mm-hmm. But just wind the clock back a couple of months. Yeah. It was a, di- it was a different people. You had some very dis- difficult decisions to make. Right. Um, yeah. And so, and so did, so did parents and so did uh, members of the teacher union. Can I ask about your wife during this? Because she was a nurse, right? So she's in the front line during this. So you're dealing with all this here on your professional career and then you go home and I'm sure... I'm not sorry not to project. Was your wife nervous? Did did that affect you personally, or you know, having to juggle yeah, that? And she actually got COVID. Yeah, Pam was um, Pam works at Mar- Mary Cares right now. Uh, she used to work at uh, she was a clinical supervisor up at um, Trinity Hospital uh, for Malta. So that was providing healthcare for people who couldn't afford it. And so oh. she does something similar now down in down in Stanford uh, for uh, Mary Cares. Yeah, Pam. Uh, yeah, Pam got uh, COVID nineteen and. Um, that meant we had to be isolated. No, I love my wife, but like I don't want to be away for fourteen <laughs> days because of COVID. And did you get it? <laughs> Me, no, I did not get it. Um, oh. I just, uh, having been tested several times actually before, uh, bef- after uh, Pammy got it, and then before I got back, and before I got, I got, I got, I got two tests before he came yeah, back. Yeah, so interesting. Which is like, it's like, like it's really, it's like, like it's really bizarre to me because. It's just bizarre. Just to live right. in post quarter. Exactly. You, you wonder how you keep that hearing about families, you know, sharing but, drinks, sleeping together, what, and not uh, catching it. It's oh. bizarre. So she had the, she got that early on in the process, and uh, I had to so, work for home for fourteen days. Yeah. So you were making tough decisions while being locked in a house with your wife for fourteen days. So, <laughs> yeah. but you made it through. It's, I'm, and listen, I'll just tell you this. Like, she, she will tell you, I'm not the greatest caregiver in that way. Um, as it is a weakness I have. Um, it is a weakness I have. Uh, so like making, making, making lunches and dinners and sort of like sliding it through the door there is like. Oh my goodness. You have to think who was less thrilled in that role. Like to be locked home. That's yeah, a close call. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we, I mean, we're being honest, like we forgetting the, you know, efficiency or inefficiency of e-learning. We've had a, you know, a cut back to the number of hours our kids have been in the building this year because we have half day Fridays. And I've gotten several requests to ask about half day Fridays. Like, when is that going to end? Is it going to linger to the fall? And in any case, we, you know, we've received less education this year than we would normally. So how are we going to address like any educational shortfalls that our kids might be suffering? So, so essentially in the, uh, um, in the fall, uh, they'll be looking at sort of a, the, this process of acceleration, which is really looking at, uh, the standards and the skills that the kids have not acquired um, along the way, and if they've, if they've this is the work in the summer, if they've identified those, uh, they'll build them into that particular process where it's really sort of uh, standards-driven and skill-based driven. It won't be necessarily just content along the way, right? So it'll be what are the skills that went with, I don't know, whatever whatever the content happens to be. Uh, can we acquire those and build those into the the standards for the for the next year? Now there is. There are some opportunities for students over the summer to do some catch-up work and some um, and some practice work and some makeup work that they have to do. Um, but for the the major population, uh, we'll be doing it through this this process of acceleration and, and so. Is there like an evaluation that will happen in the fall? Is that how it's going to work? Uh, well, there'll be an evalu- there'll, there'll be an evaluation of the program over the summer of of the curriculum uh, through the curriculum director as to. 
with each of the departments what and each of the areas what are the what are the essential skills and standards that we need to do and where where in this I call it this prior year uh, have they not been addressed and how are we going to build them into these particular standards and skills so it won't be just necessarily just necessarily content will be more around skills and standards. What about that? You mentioned it with the kids this summer that will be getting a little special. Um, I don't even know what you, you said it much better, but what? well, there's there's some students who will have an opportunity to participate in some of the programs that we have for summer school. Darian summer school. Darian summer school. And do they have to qualify uh, for that? Are there students that no, already? Said? No, they 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 can say, they can they can participate in that. that okay. that's actually a paid process for the most part. Okay, and uh, pro, pro, uh, students who are in ESY. Uh, for students, some students who may be extended school year yeah. for Thank kids you. that need extra. Oh, Thank you for translating. Summer. Yeah, you got <laughs> and, and some of the students uh, along the way, um, if some students have been see- receiving special services, their needs have been identified and will be provided as we, as we go along throughout the summer. Yeah, the summer school is awesome. Like we've done that with my kids every year just to keep them engaged and, you know, having fun. It's more fun than it is, you know, about. You know, work and academics. They don't look at it like summer well, school like yeah. they did when I was a kid. I'm yeah. glad to hear that because that's what they, like, Particularly this year, that they they need to have that sense of fun about learn and learning uh, because of what we've just experienced. Yeah, the teachers make it great. They make it exciting and fun. You got, you got listen. You got a, you got tremendous teachers in this district. There's no just no doubt about it. No question. Oh, yeah. you got quality teachers. So let's let like another big question that is being asked out there: masks in the fall. Are we going to be wearing masks? Is this all coming from the state at this point? Like we can't pull them. Even if we want it so, to, right? So you, so we've we've uh, heard from the governor. We've heard from the CDC. The CDC also said the schools have to continue to wear them throughout the school year. It's a sort of we lost point on people. Yeah, I didn't um, know that. Yeah, they they, they did we an addendum uh, <laughs> through this current school year. Yes. Yeah. As the state Department of Education and the Department of Public Health are really who we take our lead from. They're, they're, they tend to be a wee bit slow to react to some of these things mm-hmm. and. Um, like they're they're saying like next week we'll give you guidance on graduation. Well, like, <laughs> I, mean, I mean it's just it's, like, we're thinking next year we're done with that, right? Um, so that remains undetermined at this particular point. I did share publicly at the board meeting that I'll be looking to open up in as normal a situation as I possibly can. And if I have to scale, if I have to scale back, uh, I'll scale back. So instead of planning for, um, I won't say the worst scenario, but but. But from that sort of lens, so to speak, I'll, I'll be I'm going to be planning from the best scenario, and yeah. if we have to scale back, we scale back. And vaccines, I mean, I I hope they will not be required of children. I mean, I know they've rolled it back to twelve, but I don't know if you have any opinion on that. I I'll leave the, the, the requirement of a vaccination to the people who, who have to make that decision, which is the State Department of Public Health. If they want to make that, that has, hasn't been a, currently not a requirement to make. Yep. You mentioned the uh, Board of Education a little bit ago, and um, what is that relationship like? I'm, I ask this totally naively because I don't have kids in the program yet, but um, but can we talk about your relationship with them, and particularly over um, COVID nineteen? And yeah, um, I think that I think the Board of Ed and Superintendent, like, listen, a Board of Education and a Superintendent have a have to have a tremendous working relationship, right? Um, certainly. We can differ and should differ on, on different aspects of, of, of implementation, decision making. By design, that, that's the way it is by design. And, it's, and, and I think we should honor and respect that design, uh, which is really a sense of balance uh, and checks along yeah. the way. That's why, that's why they exist. Right? Um, every year over the years, I've always appreciated that more and more, the role that they play. 
um, and should play in, in decision making. But there are some things that are administrative and there's other things that are Board of Education governance orientated. Give me some examples for people listening. Uh, policy, right? Um, they, they, they write policy, they influence policy. I'm the one who executes it then. Uh, their responsibility is uh, budget, right? So ultimately a superintendent presents a budget on behalf of the district, sometimes called the superintendent's budget. Uh, and then they, they, they have the ownership and responsibility then to adopt a full uh, Board of Education budget. And then there are some things that might be administrative in nature that, look, if you've got good working relationships with people, you're going to want to know, like, what do they feel about this? I, and then always just want to just make a decision. I'd like to hear, like, what, what their input is and what they have to contribute towards it. So it's not just like, it's not just black and white. And certainly, Boards are going to have different opinions, and certainly superintendents are going to have different opinions. Listen, for the minute I was interviewed by this board, I was, I was very impressed with them. Um, I, I think what they were looking for along the lines aligned with what I was looking to do. And They were clearly impressed by you. Here you are. Well, well I, that's great. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here, to be honest with you. And I do think, like, I don't mind saying this, I just think continuity of, of leadership here is important. Continuity of leadership in the buildings is important. The more you can, the more continuity you can put in place, the more uh, the more coherent the systems are, the more reliable the systems tend to be, and uh, the more you can sort of get get done together. I mean, I think that was a check mark for you too. You know, like I think probably right when the board looked at you, they saw a guy who showed continuity in his previous jobs. You know, you weren't job hopping from place to place. I mean, that had to be of appeal to the board. I mean, well, I would hope so because that's what that, I guess I don't. I don't that's I, that's not in my nature to do that. I don't want to do that. And. uh well, if you hop now, we're going to hunt you down and say, no, get back here. <laughs> we're not hopping. I'm not hopping. This isn't finished, I Dr. Have, I have no intention to, to, to hop. Well, you've definitely faced, I mean, not just COVID, unfortunately, at the same time, you know, racial unrest across the country, which leads me to the question of curriculum. Where you, where do you fit in? Where does the board fit in? And how do we proceed? Because I know that was a big issue back last summer and, and continues to be, you know, in the news Talk to us about that. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, those are very co- like this, those are very complex issues, and uh, there's a lot of terminology that is thrown around. There's a, a lot of concepts that are thrown around. Uh, there are real issues. Uh, I will say, I'm very proud of the board's adoption of a strategic plan that talks about equity and it talks about diversity and it talks about inclusion and. I've heard that since uh, my entry plan. Uh, that was that was part before, actually before some of these um, events that have happened around the country have actually actually took place. I've heard that um, from our staff and from our community members that uh, they wanted to embrace equity and diversity more. Again, before most of these more explosive incidents right. have actually happened. Yeah, it's always been a mission of I think the Darien, uh, the, the town of Darien, and definitely our school systems and what we're teaching our children. So yeah. And then as I, as I shared earlier, uh, the voice of our young people who have been in the school, who are in the school systems, and also our alum who are, are coming back, uh, are also voicing that 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 we want to be ready uh, for this world that we are, are entering. Yeah, you talked about that student voice. Like, what, yeah, yeah, what did you mean by that? And is that part of this conversation well student voice had student voice has been present both in how we how we sort of uh, operate in terms of the covid environment per se but it's also been uh, our alumni have been come back and, and asking for um, can we can we have uh, can we discuss these issues can we make sure that they're part of our educational experience and uh, because when we go out into the big world um, 
that's an area where we feel we want to make sure we have those experiences to draw upon. Absolutely. I mean, we want to make sure we have a, a student body that is prepared to yes. exist in a, in a world that is not as homogenous as the town of Darien. And that just exists because if, if anything, I think you're going to have great leaders from, from this town and from our young people, and you do already. Mm-hmm. Um, but you'll also have them in, in, in those uh, areas also. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I love the idea and the focus on it. I, you know, I think that where, you know, I get concerned is when we, we approach it from a, you know, we're teaching our kids what to think rather than how to think. That's kind of a problem yeah, for I me. Don't, I hope yeah. there's none of that. Yeah, we're not, we're, we're, there's, there's no indoctrination going on here. Um, that's not, not the case. In fact, some of those concepts are, are not really in the curriculum, but as certain terminology comes up and certain concepts come up, we have to, we have to talk about those and, te- and teach those along the way and, and ask our kids exactly how do they understand those? How do they think about those? Have they, have they got questions about them? I think yeah. that. So does that, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. So does that decision like lie with you? Like, so if if these things come up and it, you know, on your desk, you know, at two o'clock in the afternoon, you get, you know, here's the, here's a new curriculum, you know, sheet you've gotten. I don't know who you get it from. Is it from the state? Is it from who's, is it presented by the teachers? No, no, there's no, uh, a a curriculum will be presented to the board of ed essentially. So you, you create the the curriculum. If there's any changes to it, it's coming from you. Well, it, it certainly comes up through the administration. Yeah. Okay. Do you, yeah. So do you take, um, influences or leads from what you're hearing from teachers again, the student voices from parents? Like where do you get the, your ideas and? Well, this, formerly the state does develop curriculum on, not about these recent concepts per se, but, but they have, uh, required, required cur- uh, curriculum that stems from, oh, it's everything from, uh, civics to the potato family, I gotta teach, right? Um, right. So they've got, a, if you go to the state, state website and stuff, you'll see a list of things that, that you gotta take, gotta teach, but they don't, like, they don't react to something like recent events and say, oh, now here, you have to teach us. That, that's not the way they work. So that's a great point. Yeah. That's my, so I'm kind of wondering how you navigate that. I mean, that's a tough job. Like, you know, to, at what point are you reactionary? I mean, I feel like the whole world is very reactionary right now. Like, you know, and you seem like a very thoughtful, obviously a smart man. Like, so how do you gauge how to, how much, how far to go, and how and when to, you know, everyone tell them to slow down. And So there are processes in place here that um, uh, serve that well, which includes the Board of Education, but it also includes uh, department chairs and includes curriculum councils as to quality control uh, curriculum, whether it's to be revised or new, that comes through that particular process. And we have a uh, assistant, assistant superintendent of Christopher, Mr. Tramberg, he, he plays a big role in that too. Uh, so if it doesn't happen to be, if it doesn't happen to be in the curriculum per se, and it comes up in a contextual way, then we bring it up in that contextual way, uh, for, for students to have a discussion about and think about, right? And ask questions about. If it's something that has to be, we think we're going to have to implement in some way or include as a part of the curriculum, then it has to go through the formal curriculum process. Teachers still have, have, they have a curriculum, but they also have intellectual, um, ability to make some, some some choices along the way, right? And they have to be in sort of informed choices and calculated decision, uh, calculated choices and approved approved by department chairs and that type of stuff. But but they still have that academic freedom a wee bit to. I would want a social studies teacher to talk about these important issues. You can't say it's important to you and then not talk about it. Mm. You're not going to get anywhere. That's that's and it's, it's certainly not indoctrination. That's not what we're saying. Um, and it's, simply put, we don't have a we. Many of the concepts that have been on the table aren't really part of our curriculum per se, as of yet. Yeah. They've come up in the, this contextual discussion uh, type scenario. And if they are going to be, they're going to, they'll come through the appropriate uh, mm-hmm. 
curriculum process. Well, it's hard for teachers to have to talk about that. And I find even being on this podcast, I find it's hard to even interview someone and not share in some way your opinion, right? I mean, it's that's an art form that I'm trying to learn. Um, but so it must be difficult for teachers to talk about these issues, these hidden issues that, you, as you just said, it's important to them. And they want to discuss it and we should be discussing it. But I think it's going to be an ongoing challenge for them to be able to discuss that and just, you know, truly listen. Well, here's the other thing. Our teachers get caught between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. Right. Um, do I teach this or do I not teach it? Do I talk about this? Right. Yeah. Um, uh, am I going to be supported? Right. I mean, these, these are complex, difficult concepts and people will make some mistakes along the way. You can't just like, they will. That's just the nature of it. Um, whatever you define as a mistake, right? But, but they can't. Just, you can't just like have them try to, to do the right thing, right? Which is really at least talk about the the, the concepts um, and and the, the difficult discussions. And then if someone slips up along the way, like, well, listen, that's just not good enough. You can't. That's not the way to do it. And and yes, there, there has to be some management of it. I'm not. They're not mutually exclusive ideas that, look, well, listen, hopefully we're managing how we're doing it. Yes, we are, right? But at the same time, there's still difficult discussions to have, right? Well, and our kids need to be nimble enough to hear different opinions than, of the, than their own and, and manage through that. I mean, I think as long as the teachers are, again, teaching how to think and not what to think, like they're not being penalized for maybe disagreeing with the teacher, then I, you know, I have no problem with that. Like, I want my kids to hear Absolutely. every opinion, right? And it might, come through from the teacher like that like you said Liz like it's impossible not to disclose that but um, I don't know what was your kids educations like were they public my kids private? yeah, yeah the, the, they were public uh, uh, for the most part they went uh, to Torrington school system yeah for the most part and then they came to Granby I was the principal there whenever my kid was a uh, I give both my kids the, the diplomas. I'm sure. That, uh, I'm sure so, they, so, they oh, loved. So that was uh, that's uh, that, cool. That, that was that was cool. And uh, I was the principal of one of them when he was there, and my older one, Christopher. I can't. I don't, th- I don't think he told me half of it, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. I, I think he just he was a he, he, he was uh he went with the flow and um. I, it was a, it was I'm a, sure it couldn't be easy on a kid to have a dad who's the principal. Uh, <laughs> I always, I always enjoyed it because I was always able to take the kids to the, to the gymnasium or something, play f- floor hockey or do something or come to games with me. And yeah, my, my two boys are two, two, uh, two good golfers. So that was, that was, that was their sport. Awesome. And, Love that. Yeah. yeah. Well, we talk a lot on this podcast about like the reputation that Darian has. And yeah. I'm guessing you had an idea of what like, you were getting into. And I'm curious how we've lived up or not to what you thought we were. Oh, you've exceeded the bar recently. <laughs> Uh, I think it's fair to say that uh, I was walking in with my eyes open, but it's also fair to say you, you don't know somewhere until you're there, right? I mean, that's just. I, listen, people have been great with me, and uh, with you know, with different opinions and stuff, and uh, people you know, people struggle with some things in terms of. Um, sometimes I have to hear bad news too, you know, not not easy. Um, but but fundamentally, people have been welcoming to me and. Uh, to Pamela in general, right? In terms of an extension, and uh, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't ask people to be any more generous and uh, helpful along the way. People, people do that here, right? And you'd have no problem lifting the phone and asking some somebody to show up to do something for kids or or anything like that. So, Make puppets, yeah, or, mm-hmm. or yeah, sir. I mean, it, it, it's a tremendous community, but it's a complex community. Um, it's a highly involved community. Uh, communication. 
the expect in the community is, is is high and all of those things right so and it's results oriented and it's results oriented and we just try and keep a balance to that too because it, you know everybody says social emotional learning is, is good right like long as long as my kid still does okay um change is good but you know can you do it to some other kid and wait till my kid gets out of school um so you have to sort of balance some of these things uh, that's funny change is great but let's wait another five years till my kid graduates yeah, well, and then implement this those are my words not theirs but, that, but, <laughs> but, but that's generally the, that's generally oh the, not, not surprisingly that, that's the tenant along the way yeah I know I feel like <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering what's been most frustrating to you since you started what's been most frustrating that's it is it uh, Taylor constantly you can use my stabbing name. you about <laughs> Getting the kids back in school. No matter how bad she thinks she is, no, she doesn't. She doesn't. No, really? <laughs> oh, oh, this is good for Taylor to hear. <laughs> uh, frustrating. Um, I, I like probably my weakness would be better. I, I'm not a big patient person. Like I'm not. I, I, patience is not my virtue. Uh, so I have to be conscious of that and, and uh, be sensitive about. So I tend to like to, to do things as quickly as we possibly can. Um, I like that. I like that too. Actually, if, um, you know, like. Uh, like if we're, if we're dealing with issues of diversity and so on, as an example, well, can we do something about it? Like, if, can we change some policies and practices? Because we can do culturally responsive classrooms all you like, but a generation of kids will go through the school system before it really impacts them. Uh, so, so I like to see some some action because I think those can be powerful indicators. So, as an example, uh, the board for the fo- not next year but the following year would be looking to participate in the Open Choice Program, which would bring children from. Uh, the inner city schools to per, per, perhaps mostly from Norwalk uh, in, into Darien. We also are participating this year, as you know, in the minority recruitment, and we'll have two teachers through that particular program. Those those aren't going to fix things, Those aren't, gonna, but they're visual things of the importance of, like, what are we doing given what we're saying we're doing? Did they, like, is what you say and what you do, do they match? Um, did you participate in Open Choice up in Grammy? I did, yes. We participated... Uh, long before anyone had to, and certainly did not receive any funds for participation in the program. Now funds follow the uh, the right. student, right? Um, so it's changed over the years. Um, they participated there for the past 45 years. It was Project Choice at the time. That they have uh, formalized it a lot more in the in the Hartford area, in the New Haven area, in, in this area. So talk about some of the benefits that you saw from the program. Oh, the benefits were for uh, not just the children who participated in the program from, in this case, it was from Hartford. For us, it would be most Norwalk. most likely Norwalk. Uh, so you were providing opportunities for those families who would ordinarily not have that opportunity. But it was good for our kids, uh, and it was good for our staff to have diversity in the school system. Yeah. If, if you're going to go on and... If you're going to go into uh, adult life and you don't have any experiences working with anybody who just doesn't look like you, I mean that's 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 not really way the the way to prepare for wh- where you're going to be and how you're going to work and live. Yeah. What are you most grateful for? Grateful. I'm grateful for every new day. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for uh, the opportunities that this country has afforded to me. I'm grateful that I'm here. I'm grateful th- uh, for. First and foremost, for my family, it's um, these are hard positions that you might, as you, as I think, as you might anticipate, right? Um, so your family sacrifices along the way, and as long as they're okay, life, like it's like 
for all of us. If, you, if your kids are okay, right, and your, and your spouse is okay, life's pretty good, right? Yeah. Um, Do you live in Darien? I live in uh, Stamford. Oh, okay. I live in Stamford, which uh, last year my wife was commuting to Hartford, so I had to live in Shelton, and we were split in the district. That was going to change because we had to, we were always going to change, right? It was just a matter of her completing yeah. what you had to do in Hartford, uh, that contract, and uh, then we came down here to, to, to Stamford. So what do you guys do for fun? Or what do you, what do, you do for fun Me? when you're not working? Yeah. Uh, primarily, I like, I, like to, I like to work out. Oh. Right? I like to uh, swim. I like to, to run, and I love to play golf. Wow. Um, What's your handicap? Mine, mine's probably 15. My, my boys are, well, single-digit kids. Um, nice. But it's what I still do with my boys. It's, it's, a, it's one of the activities that I don't do as often, um, but it's one of the activities I like to still do with them in terms of when they go out there on the golf course, they're still kids, and um, yeah. don't have to say it. You really don't have to say anything. You, you go through the first couple of holes, and then they start opening up like a suitcase, and they'll, just, they'll tell you stories, and they'll tell you what's going on. And it's a great place to just to reconnect with your kids. But uh, it's, it's something. A beautiful that, way to look it, at it. It's a thing. Nice thing that to be able to do with them. And I love to play golf. I love to watch golf. I love to play golf. And how many days do you work out during the week? Well, I, I'm not working out at the moment because I have a bit of a back issue going on. Um, Generally speaking, I'd be working out nearly every day. That's in awesome. In one capacity or another. Um, in a non-COVID year, how often do you get back to Ireland? So we would either uh, we would either go back every year, or our parents or our families would come here. But um, we had planned last well, was it last last April we had tickets to go home. We haven't been able to go home. So like anybody else, it'd be nice now to see my parents. You know. Do you have a plan to go now or? We'll go as soon as we can go. We, we still can't go. Still not allowed? You're still not allowed, no. Um, oh we just goodness. have to do, well, minimally you're going to have to do 14 days of quarantine in a hotel when you get there. That's what they make you do. Look you, out, Pamela. Yeah, after 14, I'm not going to do <laughs> that again. 14. I'm, not going like, to, I'm not doing it. I mean, 14 is a long, long time um, when you go over there. So, uh, But people are lined up to come. We've got lots of relatives and nephews and nieces oh. and great nephews and nieces and uh they they tend to come over here because everybody likes to come to America. Right? Sure. Well, over the years, you've got to have some funny stories. Over have, the years, yeah, share some of those if you would. I don't know. I go back. We just came off Teacher Appreciation Week, and so I'm a teacher at heart. So I'll sort of like reflect back uh, to to actually when I started out my first job. Actually, that's like a long long time ago in Ireland. In Ireland, right? I went to this interview and. Then, um, I screwed that interview up something royal. I, mean, <laughs> I, I was a basket case, right? And um, we've all been there. How I, old were you? I, I was me, I was like twenty-two, right? So I was like, uh, "Why?" I, I don't know why that uh, principal at the time, or he—he he was the principal at the time, hired me. It's like I, I don't know what I did. Um, I was a math teacher, and back then, yeah, you also taught computers because I, way back then, like I mean, the only people who taught. Computer classes with math teachers, right? It's like, okay, you guys are all teaching my computer. Sure. Commodore 64s and all that we had at yep. the time. It's like, I remember going in to teach my first class. And I wondered, like, well, why did this guy actually hurt me? Because I made a mess of that. And he told me he made a mess of it. I worked out why he, why he hurt me, actually. Why? I think I know why he hurt me. I made up the threesome of the carpool going to work. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize he lived in the same time as me. And I figured, well, that's why you've hired me. Because you're, you started carpooling with but, him? Oh, yeah. So, that's hysterical. So, so whatever worked. So I remember that the first, um, I remember the first, uh, it wasn't the first day, but the first, the first computer class I have was, was period six computer class. 
I'm going to like a whippersnapper here. Like I mean, and these ki- these kids are in our city. Yeah, they give you a run run for your money. Like it's like it's just. And I remember you, you had a wee, if you picture your classroom a bit like a science classroom and a storage room in it, and um, I went into the storage room and I heard the door pull behind me. Oh no! And they locked me in the door. Oh no! So they locked me. They locked. They locked me in this this storage room, and I didn't know whether. What did I do? I mean, there's no phone. I didn't even have cell phones at the end. There was no phone, extension phone or anything. I'm like, can, can, can you let me out? Um, I didn't, I, it seemed like an, it seemed like an eternity, uh, that I was in there. It was like, it was like, a, at the time, it was like a, the Peanuts cartoon where there's a, there's a castle in the sand and the waves come over and just wipes it out and you go, there's a lesson in there. I'm not quite sure what it was. Um, but I was let out, right? Um, I didn't go bonkers. I can't remember much after that. I was both embarrassed, uh, upset, but bar- embarrassed and whatnot. Wind the clock forward nearly 33 years. Like, not so long ago, right? Like a few years back. I got an email just, he, just in, in the United States, th- like 33 years later, from a kid, Jimmy, the head who limit. said, Dr. Riley, I've looked you up. I was the one who locked you in. Oh my goodness. And he just went on to say that, uh, how well he's done in sort of computer science. Not that, like, I don't know what, he didn't learn anything of me. I was a first year, like, that I hardly <laughs> oh. knew what I was doing. Never mind. You were in the on. closet the whole time. Uh, right, right. Uh, but, um, and he, he just shared that uh, his family has uh, done well and, uh, what he was doing with himself. But that's kind of like reflective of why we do what we do. I think that that was the lesson more than, more than the experience of the day. That's why we do what we do as teachers, right? And that's why teachers do every day because they know that they're they're making a difference. You may not see it at the time, but along the way, you, you're touching lives and the ability to, to touch people's lives along the way. Just when you get a job that that combines a passion you have with helping people, whether it's teaching or whether it's nursing or whether it's doctors or whether it's some. You're pretty much in a good place, right? Um, and I would say that to kids all the time. Find something you're passionate at and something that can perhaps, uh, you feel you can contribute to other people and you'll be in a good place. That's some good. Um, Love that. Yeah. So I am curious what you, uh, what you said when you came out of that closet though. <laughs> I don't even remember what I said to be honest with you. Um, so, could you not repeat it on a podcast? Uh, I, I would not be able to repeat it uh, publicly <laughs> okay. if it was in the class either, to be That's honest great. with you. <laughs> I mean, to remember you that after that time, to look you up after that time is, uh, it's, it's, it's encouraging. Yeah, that's all, that's all you need to make. Mm-hmm. See a kid, hear from a kid. You yeah, know, you, you clearly that, made an impact. That's, that's feel for the soul for the next month and get you, get you, yeah. Get you yeah you're leaving out all the good stuff you did after you got mm-hmm. out of the closet. As I, as I digest this, I think you're pretty much the, in a, in a crazy way, you're, you alone. In a way, the board of ed, you know, are dictating um, the success, the well-being of this town, and the prosperity of it. And I say that because people, the main reason people move to Darien, if you ask the top three reasons, it's education. Oh, it's the schools. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's education is pretty much number one. Yeah. But you could say education, sports, proximity. Yeah. So you're wielding a lot of power, Doctor Adley. We're counting on you here. Listen, that, 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 that is a lot of power and a lot of privilege at the same time. Yeah. And, um, Dr. Uh, uh, Gary Morello, who just had on, would say, stay humble, 
stay humble. That's his speech. <laughs> well, I, well, I, I do think that, that um, I, I do think concepts, uh, values like that, um, have a bit of grace about what you do. I think those are, those are those are important things for for all of us, and um, I would like our young people to to have that too. And it's nice that in the portrait of the graduate and in the strategic plan, those things those things are are articulated. You asked me a wee bit earlier of something that would frustrate me or something that worried me or something. The one thing that worried me through this whole COVID, honestly, not as if I was wrong, but what happens if somebody really gets sick? Yeah, like I was making decisions to open school, close school, but what happened? Like if I child got like really really sick am i making the right decision or a teacher or, or a teacher or staff member that's what kept me up that's what Absolutely. that's what worried me more than anything because eventually you got to make a decision right and inevitably and you do it with okay well i'm doing it with the best metric scoreboard that i have right from covid metrics and what was happening at the time and um and then putting together what we're seeing in the school. So that always worried me that, hey, what, what, what happens in this environment? Am I bringing them back too early? Uh, if someone gets sick and so on and so forth, I mean, I have to, you have to rationalize that at some point and you have to move on and you have to sleep well knowing that I'm making the best decision I absolutely think I can, uh, given the information before me. But that would, that was, that was the one thing through this period that, that was always on my mind. Well, that's, that's a great way to wrap it up because, you know, I want to thank you for coming into our district from another town entirely but embracing us and and owning all of this you know with such passion and and compassion for students families teachers everybody that was involved like i never once doubted that you weren't trying to do the right thing um i really respect the way you handled all parties and the way we've navigated through this because i'm really proud of where darian ended up and i look forward to you know, moving forward and working on new, much bigger, more exciting yeah. things. Well, I love what I do. I love being here, and uh, I love the people here around me, and um, I'm, I'm blessed to be here, and uh, I look forward to continuing the good work in the years to come. Thank you so much. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it much. Thank you. It's awesome. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.